Well, for the second game in a row, the Nashville Predators play well enough to win and blow it at the very end. This time they lose 3-2 to the Dallas Stars in the last minute of the game. What went wrong for the Preds this time? We'll talk about it today on the Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day every single day. We are your free Nashville Predators podcast that's available to you wherever you get your podcast, and of course on YouTube. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com. Normally I have a partner in crime, but Anne has the day off, so it's me riding solo today. And what a solo adventure I have for you guys. Nashville Predators back on the ice for the first time since Christmas break. And uh, trying to figure out the best way to say this, there was reason for optimism, but at the same time, a reason to go, yep, this is the embodiment of the Nashville Predators right here. It was a game in which the Predators easily could have won against one of the top teams in the Western Conference, the top team in the Central Division, Predators went out, put forth a really good performance, looked like they belonged on the same ice, and then just one or two lackluster moments in the game absolutely doomed everything that the Predators put together in a positive fashion last night. And that is the key of the frustrations, I think, for the Nashville Predators team right now, is that a lot of good play, a lot of good things, are in their reach, and it's just one or two things that just completely undo what would have otherwise been a pretty solid game. So let's talk about this game a little bit because there's some interesting sound bites uh, from Roman Yossi after last night's game that I want to talk about, kind of about where this team is. Uh, but first, let's break down the game uh, real quick. Didn't get off to a good start. Jamie Ben scored. Uh, with about a minute 20 seconds in kind of a lackluster first period, but the Predators came out strong in the second. Philip Forsberg tied it up. Rupe Hintz scored about two minutes later, but then Yakov Trenin tied it right back up again. It was 2-2 for the most of the second period on to the very end when it looked like maybe we were destined for another overtime game. Rupe Hintz, a little scrum in front of the net type goal gets a rebound gets a loose puck and puts it past uc saros with 50 or 53 seconds left on the clock to give dallas the 3-2 lead and the 3-2 win as we mentioned Anne's not here but my one word is a perfect tribute to her snacks as in snacks in the sin bin y'all penalties penalties again that was it's hard to talk about this game without talking about the penalties because number one i guess the refs last night were just feeling feisty because it seems like just every two three minutes there was a call and if you're the nashville predators you give up six power play chances against one of the best teams in the nhl and that's not gonna cut it now the penalty kill did well Dallas scored uh, one power play goal in the second, 
But, you know, killing five out of six chances against a pretty good uh, power play unit is a good thing. But like we said, it's not necessarily converting on the man advantage. That's the thing. It's sometimes just the momentum that's lost when you have to take your five-on-five unit off the ice, when you have to put your penalty-killing unit on the ice, when you have to kind of gear up and put all these defensive forwards out there, when you have to you know, kind of prepare for just onslaught of pressure after pressure uh, in your defensive zone. It gets you out of your rhythm, and we saw that last night. We saw that last night for the Nashville Predators, where it's just – they couldn't get any sustained momentum going for big chunks of the game because it just any time they put something together, there would be a play and they would wind up going to the box, having a man advantage, and they just couldn't build off anything. I mean, even when they had a power play chance, we saw it in the second period. The Preds started with a power play, and what happened? We had the Tommy Novak penalty where he kind of made a – you know, questionable play, you know, kind of a lazy tripping penalty against Mira Heiskanen, and that killed the power play. Uh, the first half of the game, it was a Dante Fabro threw the puck over the glass. He comes out of the box, not 30 seconds later, Colton Sissons throws the puck over the glass. And it's like the same play twice. And, though it's, and that, to me, those are the type of penalties that undo teams. Like, look, if you're fighting for a loose puck, like, you know, the Roman Yossi penalty last night, that was that was kind of questionable. Even kind of the Philip Forsberg slash, although I know, um, you know, Chris Mason and Hal Gill said, you know, that's a penalty Forsberg can't take. Even that sort of that kind of play where you're fighting for the puck and it just kind of happens to be a bang, bang play, that happens. Like, that is fine. The penalties that you can't take are the Dante Fabro ones or the Colton Sissons ones where you're throwing the puck over the glass. I get that stuff happens, but you practice that play so much. You practice dumping the puck out. The Tommy Novak penalty where it's just a careless, you know, wave of the sick that trips Mira Heiskanen in, in, you know, the neutral zone. That's the kind of stuff that drives plays wild. And maybe the creme de la creme of the night, the Jeremy Lazan penalty on Tyler Sagan. Now I know a lot of people have come out, you know, on Twitter over the past little bit, kind of defending Lazan saying, you know what? It, it wasn't as bad on the replay as it was live. You know, maybe it even shouldn't have not have been a penalty or something like that. But like, why even if you're Jamie Lazan try to make that play, like Sagan's one-on-one already with a defender the only reason you're doing that is to go for the big hit, you know, to kind of do the the crushing Scott Stevens style hit. And number two, if you're going to make that hit, don't jump 10 feet in the air. That is like, even if like the contact is when you're on the ground, like even when your skates are on the ground, if you follow through with as much height as Jeremy Lazan did on that play, that is going to be a gimme any time. Even if, like I said, even if it's a clean hit, even if it's just the follow through, refs are going to see you jump 20 feet in the air like you're MJ at a slam dunk contest and go, oh, yeah, that's that's a dirty hit. Why put yourself in that position if you're Jeremy Lazan? And number two, why even go for that hit? 
saying it was being contained one-on-one. Again, that was a play that you were making just to make a big hit. And we've seen that a couple of times. The Preds, you know, go for the big hit, you know, go for the, you know, aggressive physical play. And just even if they, you know, don't get penalized or something like that, maybe they miss, maybe they get out of position. And there's just a lot of little plays that it's just like, if you don't make that play, if you stay in position, if you stay, you know, you're not being super aggressive to make that play, you have a chance to do something the other way. And that to me is the frustration for that Jeremy Lazan play is just like, if you didn't do that, you know, Tyler Sagan, you know, maybe he, I, mean, I can't remember. I think it was Dante Fabro that he was going up against, you know, maybe he beats him one-on-one, something like that, but more than likely, you know, he's not going to get a very good chance. That power play you put them on gave them a few very good chances and it switched the momentum of the game because that kept the attack over the last, you know, three, four minutes of the game completely in the Nashville zone. And we saw that lead to the game winning Rube Hintz goal. And it's just plays like that. The lack of discipline, the lack of awareness, you know, when you're so focused on, you know, making the aggressive play, being that physical team that you're kind of just whiffing on good chances that are right around you, a better plays that shows a lack of awareness. And that is something that we have talked about with this team since this past February, this is kind of what doomed them towards the end of last year too. And the fact that it's not getting fixed, that's maybe where you have to go. Okay. What is it with this coaching staff that this has been the routine and I get it. I get it to the people that are about to say, okay, well, John Hines isn't skating. He's not the one on the ice, not making these dumb plays. That's true. I agree. But any problem, any routine problem that goes unfixed for almost an entire calendar year, that's partly on the coach. The coach has to do something and it's not happening. And that's what's frustrating. More from this game in just one second. Uh, interesting soundbite from Roman Yossi about where the Preds are right now uh, and his assessment of what this team has done over the past little bit. So we'll get to that in a second. But first, want to mention today's show is sponsored by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball, soccer, and of course, everything you need to know with hockey, they got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts like the one we here do at Locked on Preds every day, you can find those at Bet Online as well. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, as we continue uh, to talk about the the Nashville Predators 3-2 loss to the Dallas Stars last night, I want to get to some post-game from Roman Yossi. He was kind of asked where he thinks the Preds are right now, and it kind of paints – I like his answer because it kind of paints my thoughts on the team and kind of paints where the Preds are big picture. So here's what Yossi said. Yeah, um, I think – just consistency and um i think our game's gotten better over the last couple of games but um i think we got to find a way to 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 play that way for 60 minutes and um 
uh, even tonight, I think in the first, um, we kind of start slow. Um, you kind of coming from behind, so um, I think to to string a couple wins together here, we gotta we gotta play like that for 60 minutes. And um, well, I think our our game's gotten better, but there's still still a lot of room for improvement. I like that answer because yes, I agree that I do think the Preds have played better. You know, they had those two big wins. Uh, last week, the week before Christmas, when we were like, they absolutely have to do something right here. Uh, and even in Colorado, even though they lost that game in overtime and kind of, you know, screwed themselves in the second and third periods of that one, overall, they played really well. The first period of that game was arguably one of the best periods the Preds have played all season. And even the start of the second period, they were really cooking. And then, you know, to what you see or what Yossi alluded to, you know, it was just like one mistake that doomed them and they just couldn't get out of that funk. And it was like, that's the inconsistency is you're seeing pockets of really good play from the Nashville Predators. In fact, it's sort of one of those things where you like take a step back and look, you're like, you know what? The Predators over the past two weeks have played some really good hockey, like, all four of the games that the Preds have played over the last little bit, you would look at and say, you know what, overall on paper, that's not a bad game. That's actually a pretty good game from the team. But over the last two, they're not getting wins from it. And that's what goes into the other part of the Roman Yossi soundbite is it's just they're being undone. You know, we mentioned the penalties, but also on that last goal, kind of kind of have to go back to Roman Yossi on this one because you know he and Carrier were kind of frozen a lot on that play where they're just kind of you know there's so much puck movement so much that that they really couldn't keep track of where anybody was or where the puck was you know there, there's plays like that the Dante Fabro play from the Colorado game last Friday night another good one it's like you know you're up to nothing you seem to have all the momentum and then you just make an absolutely you know daft play that just kind of ties that up and you know it's just a steal like that and all of a sudden that goal that Miko Rantanen scored flipped the momentum on its head and after that it was all Colorado and then you saw it last night where it's just you know the Preds bad first period but they dug themselves out of it they get something going uh you know the the Forsberg ties it. it looks like they have momentum and the Preds wind up back on the penalty kill and that's that's the frustrating thing is there's so so much of that with this Nashville Predators team where you look at and say it's there like the play that they need to be a good team is there it's just not coming through and like for complete 60 minute performances and again that game last night you take a step back with, with no context of where this team is and you say, okay, that's a good game. But in the context of where the Nashville Predators are right now, where you're behind in the standings, you know, you're sixth place, you know, in, in the wild card race. So you're four points out of a wild card spot, um, seven points behind Edmonton. I mean, you're in danger of getting passed by Arizona here in the next couple of games. Those, it's, those performances are optimistic but they're not good enough to get the predators back to where they need to be so they need to kind of up that ante a little bit and i i, I don't know if that's going to happen 
I mean, that's that to me is the next big discussion is, do you have faith in the Nashville Predators to turn that around? I mean, it's a fair question to ask. Uh, a couple of highlights from last night that I want to point out. And one is somebody that we've talked about a lot, uh, and that's Yakov Trenin. Uh, he, of course, had that great shorthanded goal uh, that tied the game in the second period, made it 2-2. Two to two. And it's good to see Yakov Trenin get back on the score sheet because he has had a little bit of an off season from where he was. That's his first goal since December 10th, only his third of the season. He's up to eight points now, uh, which is, you know, better than it was at the start of the season where he just couldn't find the score sheet at all. That's good because the Preds need Yakov Trenin to kind of be that power forward. And last night you saw glimpses of that, that great, you know, kind of exit transition out of the zone, shorthanded, kind of look off your man and then just rip a great shot over the shoulder of Jake Ottinger to score. Those are the games we need from Yakov Trenin because he has got such a unique skill set. Probably the closest thing the Preds have to like a really physical type of two-way power forward. You know, we know, we talk about how he's good defensively, uh, pretty good defensive awareness. Uh, and we just haven't seen that kind of same offensive spark this year from last year when he scored 17 goals. But last night was a perfect glimpse of it where he carried the puck out of the zone. Good offensive awareness, you know, kind of freezing the defender on that two-on-one and then ripping the shot over Ottinger. We need more from Yakov Trenin last night. Want to shout that out. Really good play from Yakov Trenin. Uh, another guy that I want to shout out from last night. Uh, this is another guy we've talked a lot about before, but Cody Glass. Cody Glass, you know, compared to his last game, but you see him out there making really good two-way plays a lot. And it says something. And Alex Doherty from A to Z Sports had a really good article about this, but it says something that, you know, this was a guy that, you know, was in out, in the lineup, out of the lineup, somewhat controversially um, at the beginning of the season, just couldn't seem like he could get anything together. And now all of a sudden, over the past month or so, it says something that he's become the guy that John Hines routinely puts out there against the other team's big guns. And that is a big thing, a big noticeable thing that he has kind of gone from this, you know, guy. It's like, oh, is he is he a bust? Are they using him right? To now being kind of the most trust, one of the most trusted guys on that entire Predators roster. I mean, he is getting big matchups week after week after week, and it really says something to his development uh, that the, that John Hines is able to trust him to do that. Uh, and, of course, the other guy that I want to shout out is uh, somebody that we shouted a lot, and that's Matthias Ekholm. Um, in the in the whole sphere of should the Preds be in the rebuild, should they not, why aren't people scoring, anything like that, it's gone under the radar that Matthias Ekholm, really across the NHL this year, is having one of the best defensive seasons by a defenseman in the entire NHL. Uh, he's up there, you know, towards the top and a lot of like the defensive advanced stats. And you saw what he can do last night. I mean, he was the beast on that Predators penalty kill. Uh, just really good positioning, really good communication. I love the communication between him and Carrier. Those two have a really good rapport together. 
Um, and it's just you see kind of this veteran defensive presence. And Ryan McDonough is like that too. But it's just this, this play where, you know, you're not – you know, it's like, you know, when he's out there, he's not going to make an obvious mistake or, you know, you you know that he's always going to be in the right place that he needs to be. And that's big for a young Nashville Predators team like this. So I really loved the play from Matias Ekholm last night uh, and would love to see more and glad that he's starting to get some recognition um, around the Preds universe for the good season he's having because he is. There's a lot of people maybe nonplussed by his uh, contract that's starting this year. But in terms of his play, uh, Matias Ekholm is certainly earning his worth this year. All right, more coming up from this game in a little bit and sort of the Preds' big picture. A million-dollar question saying it's after this last little stretch run or December so far – you know, is John Hines on the hot seat? Are big changes coming? We'll look at the schedule and uh, try to talk about maybe what happens here over the next couple of games. Uh, but first, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Predators your first listen of the day every single day. Be sure to check out Lockdown at Sports today. It's the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Lockdowns take the day. So Lockdown Sports today available on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, just like this one. Uh, tomorrow on the Locked on Predators podcast, Ann Kimmel is back. And since we're running low on 2022, we decided to do some retrospective on the Nashville Predators year 2022 as a whole. Uh, we have got our Preds year in review, some of our favorite moments, some of our best goals, our favorite game, and who we think is the Preds player of the year. Um, it could go a couple different ways with that one. Plus, we will also have our mid-season NHL awards, uh, a couple of debates over who should win the heart, Vezina, Norris, all that good stuff. So that's coming up this week on the Locked on Predators podcast. So be sure to tune in. And I feel like that's a good transition to talking about the Preds as a whole, where they are right now. Like we said, they're sixth in the wild card race, so four points out of a playoff spot, seven points back. They're third to last in the entire NHL in terms of offense, 30th in the NHL in offense. They're two, five, and three in their last 10. And it's just, you know, it, it feels like the antsiness is ramping up even with the improved play over the past couple of weeks losses like last night losses like colorado the other night um it's it's kind of it's kind of making the anticipation the restlessness of the preds fan base it's kind of upping that a little bit so you look at the schedule and ann and i we talked about it december being an absolute gauntlet uh, for the Nashville Predators. It finally comes to an end, but it's not exactly easy. So they got the Anaheim Ducks this Friday out in California. And then they have the Vegas Golden Knights, who are one of the best teams in the NHL right now, on New Year's Eve out in Vegas. You know, those are back-to-back -back games. Um, and uh, it is, it's kind of ironic 
remember when Peter Laviolette got fired? It was after that West Coast road trip. It was after the Preds uh, lost in a shootout to Anaheim, came home and couldn't get it together. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. There was some different circumstances surrounding why Peter Laviolette was fired when he was fired compared to where John Hines and the Predators are now. There's some differences, but I feel like it's kind of getting to the point where you have to ask yourself, when do you make a change? Because I think the way the Preds are playing now, if they can't clean up like some of the mistakes that's doing in some of those games, even with their improved play, even though we've seen some improvement over the past couple of weeks in terms of their overall play, if the Preds can't start getting back into the playoff chase, I do feel like the conversation around the future of some of the coaches, some of the managers, and maybe some of the players, I feel like that ramps up a little bit. I really do. And again, I, I love John Hines. Uh, he's been, you know, a pretty decent fresh air, a uh, breath of fresh air in Nashville. He's been very open and honest with some of his answers to the fans, to the media on some of the hot topics. But it, it's what the Predators have been doing over the past year is just not sustainable for a team. And, you know, we've heard a lot of rumblings from people. We've heard it from players and managers themselves that the Predators loaded up because they thought they could make a run this year. And again, think what you want. Think what you listening at home want. I'm not saying that they're right or wrong. I'm not saying that like last year's crazy stats season from some of these players is sustainable. It was going to be the new norm. I'm saying the Predators thought that. That's why the Predators went out and, you know, maybe put themselves in a tight spot three or four years down the road to take on that Ryan McDonough contract. That's why they spent a lot of money on, you know, Niederreiter. That's why they gave Matthias Eckholm a big deal. That's why they gave Philip Forsberg a big deal, because they thought that they had enough to kind of fix what was undoing them over the past few seasons and some of these first round playoff exits. And not only is it not working, but they're worse off than they were last year. And so if you're the Nashville Predators and you made this big investment and you load it up thinking that this was going to kind of be the year you broke back through that brick wall that was keeping you out of the second round of the playoffs. And instead you're facing an even bigger uphill climb. And all of a sudden your roster situation looks that much more dire. Something is going to change. Whether that's John Hines, whether that's a change from ownership to you know maybe shuffle who's making some of these hockey decisions or maybe you blow up the core maybe trade out a few pieces bring in a few fresh pieces i'm not saying full rebuild i'm just saying shuffling the core it feels like something is got to happen soon within the next couple of months and i think i think if the predators look very bad in these next two games um anaheim is you know there's there's no excuse for looking bad against anaheim uh the way they're playing right now i mean they're atrocious in in terms of the nhl standings so if you look bad in that game and then you turn around and also get embarrassed by vegas do you think 
New Year's Day in the in the start of the new year? Do you think history repeats itself? That's a question that's worth asking if the Predators can't get out of these next two games with at least something positive, with at least a big, like, overall good win. Maybe you don't beat Vegas, but maybe you play very well against them and maybe just, you know, give up a goal or something like that. Maybe. I don't know. I want to know what you guys think. Tweet us at LO underscore Predators or leave a comment on our YouTube page. I really want to get your take on when do you think the Preds pull the trigger on a major change? Like, do you think if the Preds kind of limp through the next week or so that something is going to change, something drastic? Let us know, uh, and uh, we will hang those. Maybe do some uh, responses on a future podcast. Uh, as for me, you can find my work at ontheforecheck.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore NSMorgan. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcasting platform, uh, be sure to subscribe so you'll always know when we have fresh content out for you. That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We'll be back tomorrow with an all-new episode. We'll see you then.